0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church. I'm Pastor Michael Branch. As we begin, we pray, Lord, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. One of the things we're going to begin doing, y'all have to know my heart in all of this, and my heart for all of this is that we are a biblical church and that we do things in the way that, um, that the early church was founded to be. And that we're not influenced so much by cultural church, but instead we're influenced by biblical church. And all of my life, I have wanted to worship and serve with a local body of believers who just really got it. Who, who understood why the church exists and who turned themselves inward to one another in the context of the body of Christ serving one another, truly loving one another. Man, like you could go to war with these people, right? And that's my desire for all of us. And as we solidify together and we, and we become a real family to where you could call anybody in this room if you needed anything at any hour of the day, that as the Lord brought us new folks, that we would just bring them in and disciple them and they could be a part of this as well. So the model is different than the last church i planted it's different than a lot of churches that we see today because i think mainly where we're headed in society and the fact that it's very very likely in the next let's say 5 10 15 years even that sounds like a long way off but it's really not in the grand scheme of things that the church is going to face persecution in in the united states and it could be much much sooner than that but but when those things begin to happen, all the church is gonna have is one another. So we are building a family here that relies upon one another. The bond that we have with one another has to be based in scripture alone and on Christ Jesus alone. It has to be that. So if, if I do things that you think are weird, it's probably because they're biblical. Okay, because we've grown accustomed to doing things a certain way. And and again, that's cultural. It's not biblical. And so I'll try not to do too much to freak everybody out. But just understand, look to the first century church and look to uh, what what Christ intended, what Paul instructed the church to be. And that is what we will strive to be as a body of believers. So as we build one another up here, then we focus, as we're healthy, then we turn and focus on the community around us. And that's when we share the gospel. We do not change what happens in here to reach lost people out there because honestly, if you wanna be honest, lost people should walk through this door and feel weird. They should not feel like they belong because the body of Christ is different than the world. So a person who's living worldly they come in these doors. You shouldn't make them feel comfortable. They should feel uncomfortable in a way that, that makes them realize there's something in their life that's missing, that these people have a peace and a joy that I have never understood before. And I know it's a little strange and I know it's different than my life, but I want whatever that is. We don't get there by trying to copycat the world, all right? There's a really big difference. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are different. And so lost people um, should know that when they walk through these doors. Now, we as a family will come up with ways to go out into the community and serve people and reach people and spread the gospel. And then once they're converted, we bring them inside the church to disciple them. You see how that works? And that's actually the biblical model. So we're going to continue this morning, finishing up last week's sermon, which was apparently way too long. I'm just going to pick right back up. We were doing ten things that Jesus said about the end times in his own words, and uh, we went through the first five. I'm not going to review that. You guys can always go back and listen to the podcast, okay? But number six, Jesus said that not everyone who expects to make it into Christ's kingdom will. Some of the most sobering words of Jesus are about those who will not be allowed to enter into the kingdom. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay. Um, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. Now what could possibly be worse than hearing these words from Jesus? At the end uh, there will be many people who believe that they are believers, who believe they've done everything that they had to do in order to um, spend eternity with Christ. I can't think of a more sobering passage in scripture than this one right here when you consider it. And this is why it's so vital that were biblical and not cultural because cult not all cult I think I think most people standing in this in this situation when he says depart from me I never knew you it's because you believed in the church culture you were going to church every week you were doing all the things the church was doing but you never actually had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and um they, they think at this point it's going to be based on their credentials or their works. And, and look at the works they were performing. We were prophesying, you know, which, by the way, would be false prophesying. That means they were prophesying by another spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Okay? They were performing many miracles. Uh, they were doing things that would, would normally be associated with believers uh, back in that day, but... In this circumstance, they had done that by some other power, okay? And so that's why it's, it's sobering. And he says, I never knew you, and he calls them workers of lawlessness. They're no different than anyone else. Like, you, you are spreading, instead of spreading the gospel, you are actually spreading lawlessness. Um, their repentance was probably more like a low, an emotional experience, and they acted like posers. Now, there are those who simply act, there are those who do it because they're making a lot of money doing it. Um, they have a lot of influence doing it. They're celebrity preachers or whatever. And, uh, and so they were doing what they were doing for themselves. And that's what sets uh, true believers apart from, and true actions for God, apart from fleshly actions is what are the, what are the reasons you're doing what you're doing? Are they genuine reasons? Are you doing them? to honor the Lord God, or are you doing them for whatever reason to build yourself up to or to gather uh, notice for yourself, gain notice for yourself? Jesus said there will be many people in this terrifying predicament when the end comes. When you think back how tragic that would be, living their entire lives, believing that they are actually Christians, and, and in that moment, when it's too late, they realize that, in fact, they were not. And that's why, guys, I, that's why I want to press in to being a biblical church. There, there shouldn't be any, anyone in this church who doesn't understand the gospel, who hasn't made that decision to follow Christ. Not one person in this church on that day should... should well, if, you, if you're there on that day and this is what you're hearing, then you're at the white throne judgment and not the judgment seat of Christ, okay? That's my heart for, for the body, is that we're all believers and we'll all be be a loving unit together here on earth, and that later on we'll be be together in heaven, okay? Number seven, Jesus said there will be great persecution and many will fall away. In Matthew Matthew 24, 9 through 10, Jesus promised there would be a great persecution against those who claim to be His followers, and it will cause many to fall away. Uh, I believe that what we're currently facing most right now is deception in the church on a massive scale. False doctrine, uh, terrible theology. It's being spread at an exponential rate in the body of Christ. And unfortunately, now we're exporting it over borders into other countries, and they're being indoctrinated with this terrible theology as well. Today, the modern church, so many people are, are wanting to have their ears tickled. They want to go and hear a preacher that's entertaining. They want it to be pleasing. They want, they want to be satisfied at the end of it, and sometimes God's Word is, is, can be more like a spanking <laughs> than, than actual, you know, a filling up like satisfying meal, okay? Um, that's why Paul describes it at times as milk and meat. Sometimes it's milk and it goes down real easy and it's so good you want to take a nap afterwards. Sometimes it's meat and you have to chew on it for a while. And then the digestion may not always go the way you want it to. Okay, And it just sits in your belly for a little while. And that's why Paul described the Word of God that way. Because some things you hear you're not going to like and you're going to have to change your thinking to a biblical standpoint rather than a cultural standpoint. It's relatively easy to follow Christ when things are going really well. So over the past 20 years, we've seen this massive boom in church growth and megachurches across the U.S. and around the world, and there's been no persecution for us at all. We think if someone laughs at us for a Jesus bumper sticker that we, you know, that we just got a jewel in our crown. But the thing is, there are more people in other parts of the world right now, more people being martyred than any other time in human history, if you can believe that. People dying for their faith today, and, uh, and, and we have it relatively easy here in the United States of America. You have to ask yourself this question. Is my faith such that if those sights ever turned on us, if those sights ever turned on me, then am I prepared? Is my family prepared to face that kind of persecution? What would we do if they said you have to do this, this, and this, or you're going to go to jail? Or, God forbid, later on, and I think really you're going to be fined, you're going to have you're going to take uh. You know, in China, they have like what's called a social score and it affects their credit score and they literally watch everything they do and based on what they do and what kind of food they buy and what music they listen to, they give them a social score and if it gets too low, you can't ride public transit, you can't go into certain stores. I mean, guys, that's a reality on the earth right now, but that's kind of where we're headed right now. You say this stuff to some people and they just poo-poo it. they just say, you're, you're ridiculous, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, I know human nature and I know it's happened 27 times in the past and it's going to happen again. When you give the wrong people too much power, they're going to take advantage of it, full advantage of it, and you're going to like it or you're going to deal with the consequences. And that's, that is the future, guys. Unless something happens and resets the whole thing and there's another hundred years ahead, but I just don't see that coming. I see that we are in the last days and that very well in the next 15 to 25 years, we could see major persecution in the body of Christ and it may surprise us all and it may be five years from now. It may be two years from now, okay? So we need to be prepared and biblical for when we get to that time, And when we see this major opposition and uprising against the church, you and your family, that's why you have to be a godly father. That's why you have to be a godly leader in your family. That's why you have to to guide your children in the right way. Because if they face these times and they are not prepared, then guess where they're going to go. They're not going to stand up. They're going to fall away. Okay? God forbid that happen. And so pray for them now that the Lord would get a hold of them if you've got wayward kids and, and you know, uh, or, or kids that you've been praying for, lift them up and ask the Lord to bring them back into the fold of a genuine Bible-believing church, okay? 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. Okay, this, it's, it's kind of difficult, but just follow it here. They went out from us because they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, and they went out, which just proves and is evidence that they are not of us. Does that make sense? All right, so the proof that someone is a true believer is if they remain in the faith. If they walk away from the faith, they never have everlasting life in the first place because you can't have something that's everlasting that ends. You see how simple that is? You can't lose your salvation if you truly had it in the first place then it's everlasting, it's everlasting life. And if you only have it for three years, you didn't have everlasting life, you only had three year life. Does that make sense? That's why they say they tasted the gifts, but then they still walked away, they fell away. There's a type of falling away today that I mentioned um, to do with deception, not persecution, but rather deception within the church and false doctrine within the church. And uh, this happens when men and women who profess to be believers and have a direct line to God deceive the flock by speculating they'll take a scripture and they will go eight different ways with it and they'll talk about this and that and the other and they'll tell you what, that this is what that verse means and the bible it, and they're it, they're embellishing and speculating and making up all kinds of doctrines and when that happens that's why you have 30,000 different denominations it eventually causes splits in churches It causes a lot of pain for a lot of families. And these men are charlatans. Paul called them wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm gonna point out three areas that are infiltrating the church today. The first one is the prosperity, health, and wealth gospel. And I'm gonna include the NAR, which is the New Apostolic Reformation. And those guys actually believe that they are new apostles on the same level as the original 12 apostles. And so anything that they write is divinely inspired by God, just like the Bible. It's ridiculous, and it's gotten way out of hand. The second one is is liberal Christianity. And this is like, imagine if you took Billy Graham and Oprah and mixed them in the same person, okay? It's, It's a form of godliness, but then it's mixed with New Ageism and Universalism. Um, and then the third one is the woke gospel or the social justice movement within the body of Christ. And this for sure is a form of godliness denying its power. It's, uh, it, it, instead of pointing to the cross, it's pointing to your ability to admit that you're racist if you're white. And then if you deny it, that's called white fragility. I'm sure there will be a day that, I will, that I'll talk all about this because it, it's actually it's infiltrated the church big time there is intersectionality which is the more oppressed a person is the more they should be we should step aside and we should lift them up into a place of prominence in society and that's going on in the church and so critical race theory social justice issues let me tell you something that is a major threat to the body of christ if you allow it in your church i give you five years before you are in shambles and you're split and just torn in two. It's about to happen to the Methodist denomination. Mark my words, in the next two years, the Methodist denomination is going to split in two and there'll be two factions of the Methodist church, all because of critical race theory and uh, the homosexual agenda. Okay? All right. I'm going to leave it at that. So falling away, a great falling away and great deception. Eight, Jesus said that because of lawlessness the love of many will grow cold. Because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. In Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said that lawlessness would cause a lack of empathy or care or concern and love for others as well for a love of God. And so this unfettered lawlessness, there's a sense of injustice that we all feel and it's just human nature. And this causes otherwise good people to basically withdraw from society and step aside or back away and not be engaged and not care anymore. So let's just say, let's, hypothetically, let's just say there was a rigged election. Okay, like let's say there was a national election and something happened that made you feel as if it wasn't fair, it wasn't on the up and up, and you felt disenfranchised because you knew that probably the person you voted for was the person who should have won. Well, what happens is when the next election rolls around, when nothing's done about it, okay? I'm speaking hypothetically. When, when the next election rolls around, the good people that have always been there to vote before, if they believe it's rigged, what are they gonna do? Thousands of them are gonna stay home. This is kind of the psychology behind what the scripture's talking about. That their love's going to grow cold because of lawlessness. As we see society become more and more lawless, believers, they're going to be tempted to withdraw. You just feel like, is there a way to escape this madness? It it just is surreal. Again, that's what this is talking about. In 1 Peter 4, he tells us to stay fervent in our love. He says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. And that will be our model. You have no choice but to love the people in this room. Okay, You have no choice. It is a biblical mandate to love one another. And these folks right here are going to be your brothers and sisters. They're going to be the closest people, hopefully, in your life. They're going to be the people that you can count on for anything. Because he says, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, this is talking about the context of the believers to other believers. Basically, what this is saying is if you love someone, you're not going to be quite so annoyed when they chew too loud okay? Uh, Love covers a multitude of sins. You love your husband. You love your wife. I'm sure there are many annoying habits that they have, but you look past those because you love them, right? All right. So, I mean, love covers a multitude of sins. That's our attitude. That's our heart in the body of Christ. What we're seeing in the world today is but a drop in what I believe will happen in the future when it's basically, you've seen those post-apocalyptic movies where it's every man for themselves and you know there's a family and we're going to ram that car and we're going to steal all their food doesn't matter if they have a baby we're going to eat their infamil too you know so um it's just kind of that you know dog eat dog world right well, I, I believe this is what it's talking about. Maybe not to that extreme, but we're headed in a way where every man's gonna be for, themse- for themselves in the world and everybody's gonna be out to get their own. And if they have to step on your face to get there, then they'll use your, your face as a stepladder. Again, we want to be a church that's biblical and we cannot withdraw from society. Here's how, here's how we withdraw from the world in a healthy way. We become a biblical church. This is the safe haven. This is the sanctuary that we come and worship together and build one another up and edify one another. And then we go out there in the world built up, ready to go, ready to share the gospel, and we make a difference out there in the world. Amen? And number nine, be on guard, keep awake. Jesus continually told His followers to stay awake, to watch their lives, and to be ready for His return. In 2 Peter 3.10, as we read in our Scripture reading this morning, He said, "...but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away, with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be discovered. Uh, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way..." What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? I I used to have a friend in college. He was as southern, as hick as you can be. Uh, His name's, I called him Jarvis. He He would stand on the roof of his truck down at the Brookshire's, market and preach to the teenagers that were on the drag. They'd congregate in the Brookshire's parking lot and he'd be like, you're going to hell, you know. But anyway, he used to say, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. That was one of his little catchphrases. He's, he's crazy as a, as a loon, but I love him. That's what basically Paul's saying. It's all going to burn. Like all this stuff that, that, that you think, right? Th- this should be our perspective. The imminency of Christ's return is the last chance, the very last chance for billions of souls to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, okay? And, and the clock is ticking. Think about this. You've been allotted a certain number of ticks on that clock in your lifetime by a sovereign God. He knows exactly the moment you will take your last breath. And between birth to that last breath, He has given you the gift of time to do whatever you can to snatch them out of the fire, as Jude says, okay? So you you really don't know if you're going to be 46, if you're going to be 66, or if you're going to be 106. You really don't know. That's why the imminency of Christ's return and the imminency of your last day should, should promote within you, burn within you a fire, a passion to reach people who don't know Him, especially your family, we can't be lukewarm. We cannot be wishy-washy anymore. We can't hide in the shadows anymore. You have to be bold about your faith. If you believe in Jesus, then make Him the priority of your life and your spouse comes second and your kids come third. That's the way it works and that's Bible. Y'all understand? And I promise you, if you will do it His way, you will be so happy and so fulfilled. There's always the danger of falling asleep and lusting after the things of the world and being tempted by the devil. And that's why we have to stay alert and awake. Again, that's the question that each and every one of us must ask ourselves is am I awake or have I made the world my priority? Have I made success my priority? Have I made all the the trappings and belongings of this world more important to me than... What God has actually put me on this earth to do. Because it's really, I hate to break it to you, it's not about you. Your life is not about you. This is a Michael Branch quote, just in case anybody wants to put this up and make me a celebrity preacher. Your life, (laughs) your life is all about you until the moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then it becomes about everybody else. That's the truth. That's the reality. So that's why the Bible tells us to count the cost because it's not easy to be a follower of Christ. It's going to take sacrifice. There's a great deal of suffering involved at times. People you love are going to disassociate themselves with you because you have beliefs that they think are hateful or bigoted or whatever. That's par for the course, y'all. Get used to it. Take your blows. Make up your mind. Who are we going to be? What kind of family are we going to be? and build that within your family, and then get ready for what's coming. Amen? What's coming? Number 10, Jesus says, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Four times in the book of Revelation, Jesus said this. He says, I am coming soon to the churches in the seven letters to the churches. It was originally meant as an encouraging word to those first century Christians, uh, and they were suffering greatly at the hands of Rome. They were fed to the lions. They were thrown in the gladiator ring. They were uh, burned at the stake. They were crucified. Early Christians, y'all, that was no joke, okay? They didn't have air conditioning and, and chairs and sound systems. I mean, they were killed for their belief. Matter of fact, if, if, a, Roman, uh, if a Roman troop comes by and they have this little, they carried with them this uh, little monument for Caesar and they would, imagine you're sitting there and and you're working on something as a carpenter, and this troop comes by, you were required in some areas to get up and go over there and pay homage to that little monument. And if you didn't, they'd take you off and kill you. That's the kind of oppression and danger they lived in, just calling themselves a Christian. That's the contrast. That's what I want you to think about. Always keep your perspective and understand who we are and what it really means to be a Christian. Christians in every generation are told to hold tightly to the promise that Christ is coming, that He will return soon. Just like when you were kids, you remember all of us you can identify on Christmas Eve, you could not wait for Christmas morning. That's the, that's the feeling we should get for the return of Christ, that this world is messed up and there are kids right now, children in, stuck in, in child sex trafficking rings. Uh, there are Women being raped and abused and suffering all over the world, and children and and women and men starving to death because they have nothing to eat. That injustice is happening right now as I speak. And it's selfish of me to want to stay here any longer and prolong their suffering. That's why we pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We want to see the King of righteousness come back and make things right again. That's the heart of the believer. And that's always been something that spurs us on in godliness. When Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, he says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. Can you imagine? No, you can't. I'm going to answer your question. You can not imagine. You have no clue what is in store for the believer as Ronald Reagan once said as we slip the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God as we leave this world behind and we stand once and for all before Jesus our Savior and we fall at His feet and all righteousness is what reigns and all darkness and all sin and all pain and sorrow is vanquished forevermore Man, that's what's in store for all of us. So keep your eyes on what it means to be a true Christian. Keep your eyes on the eternity that lies ahead and pray for the soon return of the Lord Jesus so He can make all things new again. Amen? Folks, He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Let's, let's encourage one another with those words. And this is why I really strive as your pastor to be a biblical church. I want to be a biblical church above all else. That A church that reflects the holiness of God. To truly know Christ as your Lord and Savior, to truly know Him, you have to know first and foremost that He is a holy God. That He is, as I said, Immutable, which means unchangeable. He never changes. He doesn't change his mind. He never has an original thought. None of that, okay? He's immutable. He is sovereign, meaning he rules over every atom, every speck of an atom in the universe and beyond. It, it was by his creation. That doesn't mean he causes always causes things to happen, but he created it and he allows it, okay? And, and all things are under... The, the, the umbrella of, of God's ultimate and infinite sovereignty. He is an all-knowing God, the Bible says, who, who knows the end of the story from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. Um, that's why He knows which, what, what day that you will take your final breath. You have to understand Him first. You have to understand who He is. And then in contrast to that, you have to understand who you are. When you approach God, you're basically, the Bible calls us dead, which means you're walking dead, which makes you a zombie, okay? Just follow me here. You've seen those pictures of the zombies. When you try to be godly and do things on your own, you go to church and do it. It's like putting lipstick on a zombie, okay? It's like trying to dress up a zombie to look pretty, like get them ready for the prom. They're still disgusting. They're still a zombie. You're still dead, You have to understand who you are. And the Bible uses a word basically that you are are so infinitely below the holiness of God that you cannot go to heaven and abide him, abide his presence. He will not allow you in his presence. And so when you reject him, the only alternative is hell. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. I'm a preacher who's going to talk about hell because the Bible talks about hell. So the only alternative when we take our final breath in this life is whether or not we will stand before God at at the judgment seat of Christ and we will be rewarded or we will stand before God at the white throne judgment and we will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. And it's all because if you reject Him in your broken form, in your messed up form, you will not be able to abide the presence of God in heaven. That's the reality. That is the spiritual reality of who you are and who God is. So the question is this. Because of that, God sent His Son. And His Son took your sin, your personal sin, upon His shoulders while He was hanging on that cross. He took your personal punishment... He was murdered in, a, in the most cruel way man could imagine at that time in history. And he died on that cross and took his final breath so that you could be forgiven. And that so if you accept that finished work, you could live for eternity in heaven with him. So the question this morning is, and here's the wonderful thing about it. The gospel of grace teaches that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you've screwed up and how many times you've screwed up. It doesn't matter what you're going to do tomorrow, okay? It doesn't matter what you do today. What matters is that He paid for every sin, Paul says, once for all. That's past, present, and future. And when you accept Him, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will will indwell you, and you will become a true believer of Jesus Christ. And then... It's up to you at that point to subject your lives and submit to the truth of Scripture and let God remake you into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of grace. And you don't have to do anything from then on to prove you're worthy or to be approved by God because when He looks at you, see, technically you're still that zombie, but you're wearing the robes of Christ. And when he looks at you and sees the robes of Christ, he doesn't see the ugly and all the sin you committed. He sees the punishment that his son took. You're covered under the blood and you are accepted by a holy God. Amen? So this morning, I'm, I'm really just begging each and every one of you would, you, would you consider for yourself, every person in this room, consider for yourself if you've truly understood what the gospel is, and if you ever made that decision to follow the Lord Jesus so that you would be accepted in heaven before God for eternity. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. What you believe about God and how you respond to what God has done for you is the most important decision you will make in your entire life. I love you and therefore I lay it out there bare for you, and it's on you now, all right? You might be sitting there right now, and you're saying, I feel the prompting. I feel something inside me telling me I need to reach out for my Savior. That's how it works. I don't have to play music and manipulate you to make a decision. It's on you. The gospel is there. It's free. Everything's already been taken care of. Will you accept Christ? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you were encouraged by the truth of God's word. If you're in the Tulsa area and are looking for a local church family that teaches God's word, then join us at 1030 every Sunday morning, or you can join us live online on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Until next time, brothers and sisters, as Paul instructed, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you.